0: Welcome to the Prevention Platform, where our goal is to equip you with the knowledge and tools you need to prevent problems before they occur. Here at Valley Youth House, we believe that prevention is key to living a healthy and successful life, and we are excited to share our expertise with you. We hope that you find our discussions informative, engaging, and relevant to your own parenting journey. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the world of prevention together. September is National Recovery Month. It is a time to celebrate the hard work and dedication of all of those who have overcome substance abuse and mental health challenges. It is also a time to recognize the importance of prevention services in helping youth and families avoid substance use and abuse. Today, I'm going to share seven ways that adults can prevent their youth from turning to substances. I will also be joined by Valley Youth House's very own Martha Fenningham, who will discuss the Strengthening Families program and how strong family ties play a role in substance abuse prevention. And to wrap up the episode, we have two certified recovery specialists, James and Marie from Treatment Trends, who will share their thoughts on substance use trends amongst youth. I hear from many parents, caregivers, and educators who are concerned that their youth may be using or abusing substances. The first step to preventing substance abuse is understanding that anyone can become addicted. Drugs and alcohol do not discriminate, and their appeal is widespread, especially amongst youth who are carefree, innocent, and curious. So here are seven protective factors that can work towards preventing substance abuse and misuse. Number one, encourage your youth to be grateful. It may sound silly, but research has shown that practicing gratitude can be an effective way to prevent substance abuse. Being thankful for the positive aspects of your life can increase feelings of happiness and satisfaction, which in turn can reduce the desire to turn to drugs or alcohol as a coping mechanism. Additionally, expressing gratitude can improve overall mental health and well-being, making individuals less susceptible to the negative effects of substance abuse. Number two, help your youth to develop healthy coping skills. When we have effective ways to manage stress, anxiety, and other difficult emotions, we are less likely to turn to drugs or alcohol as a way to cope. Developing healthy coping skills can include practices like exercise, mindfulness, therapy, and social supports. By focusing on these positive outlets, individuals are better equipped to navigate life's challenges without resorting to harmful substances. Number three, ensure that your youth has strong decision-making and refusal skills. Our young people need to be confident in their choices and able to say no to things that make them uncomfortable. When they are equipped with these skills, they can make healthier choices and resist the temptation to use substances. That leads to number four, which is to develop a strong sense of self-esteem. It is important that young people are comfortable in their own skin and that they feel accepted by their friends and family for who they are. We need to encourage our children to give themselves grace and celebrate their little wins in life. We all make mistakes and that is okay as long as we learn from them. So having that understanding can go a long way towards substance use prevention. Number five, help your child to develop goals for themselves. Having something to look forward to, whether it is in the short term or the long term, allows us to keep our eyes on the prize and makes us more likely to avoid anything that stands in our way. Goals give us a sense of purpose, which can counteract the pull towards drugs and alcohol. It is so important to educate your children about the dangers of substances. When young people become aware from a young age about the harm that substances can cause, it can generate a healthy sense of fear that starts the process of developing an inner voice that will eventually guide them away from the things that can harm them. And last but certainly not least, it is crucial that our youth develop strong ties and relationships within their families and communities. Having a strong support system can reduce feelings of isolation and loneliness, which are common triggers for substance use. Strong lines of communication and trust within families and communities can also create an environment where individuals feel comfortable seeking help if they do develop a problem with substances. with Martha Fenningham, better known as Marty. Marty is our wonderful Strengthening Families Program liaison. She has been with Valley Youth House for 10 years, and prior to that was a teacher in grades K through six, but she especially loved teaching kindergarten. Marty herself has two grown children and two grandchildren. Um, So I'm very excited to welcome Marty to the podcast today. Thank you, Marty. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Ashley, for having me. I appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. So today we are talking about substance use and how we can prevent that in young adults, in teenagers, adolescents, and even young children. What can we do to prevent them from going down that path later in their life? and so what i would love is if you could tell me a little bit more about the strengthening families program and what that does to help young people stay away from drugs and alcohol
1: okay the strengthening families program uh is an evidence-based program uh, that was developed by iowa state uh some of the features of the program are um uh, teaching uh, every member of the family, respectable behaviors. Um, We encourage incorporating love and limits uh, through their behaviors and, of course, encouraging um, good practices for setting rules and what the consequences would be. Um, The Strengthening Families program has, uh, they've done a lot of research about the program and it is very, very Uh, well-known that it does prevent and reduce substance abuse. Um, During the program, uh, particularly the youths will learn about how to deal with peer pressure, which is very, very um, uh, uh, definitely a a concern for uh, parents, but peer pressure is regarding both youth and parents. and we teach nine resistance skills, um, some of them being um, encouraging the students, and they role-play with the facilitator um, about um, asking questions, telling what could happen if they, did a, a situ- if they were in a situation like this, and suggesting another route. Um, we also teach both the youth and the families um, about I-statements. And we practice using I-statements. And we also uh, uh, teach the families and the youth about how to have a positive family meeting once a week. And they practice having a family meeting with us. And we help them through the family meeting. um, And then we encourage that, that they do that each week. And then the following week, they come back and they tell us about their family meeting. one of the biggest things also that we do is we teach both the youth and their adult caregivers about um, so to do some role playing about monitoring their children's behavior and their um, their actions. Uh, we teach questions, uh, teach them how to ask questions um, regarding who, what, when, where, and why. Okay. Um, so those are some of the program features.
0: So you had mentioned how you teach youth about I statements. Mm
1: -hmm. Can you clarify that a little bit? Certainly. Um, So an I statement, an example of an I statement would be, um, let's say that a caregiver has come home after work and um, she notices or he notices that the garbage is still in the trash can in the kitchen. And an I statement might be where you are actually saying how you feel. So that caregiver might say to the child, I feel very frustrated right now because this morning when we had our breakfast, I asked you after school today if you could please take the garbage out. I am feeling very, very frustrated because I see that the garbage is there.
0: Right. So in essence, the I statement is about... Explaining your feelings appropriately to your caregiver or to your your child. Right,
1: and you're you're expressing your feelings without uh, raising your voice, uh, without showing any anger, without pointing any fingers, without any fault, but just allowing that person to know what your innermost feelings are at that particular time.
0: Okay. You also talked about the importance of having a family meeting, Mm -hmm. and I think that goes to show how crucial it is for a young person to feel, whether that's with, you know, a biological family or a group of people where they feel accepted, to have that family support, right, and encourage that open communication, And and I think that that goes a long way in terms of reducing the risk that they would use or abuse substances,
1: would you agree with that? Exactly. Um, a family meeting almost is very close uh, to what some of us now know as an intervention uh, with, within the family. Uh, what we encourage is that the family picks, they all agree, um, on a time. Uh, clearly, uh, it does not need to go on forever and ever. They set a time limit. A lot of the families will set a timer. Um, If if it's a half an hour, if it's 45 minutes, they start off their family meeting. We encourage them to start off their family meeting by going around and saying one positive thing about the person to the right of them or to the left of them. And then that's the way that they start the family meeting. They try to, we encourage them and try to keep it positive. This is not a time to be talking about marital issues or financial hardships or loss of a job or unemployment or anything like that. But it's more or less an opportunity for the parents and families or parents and students to be able to uh, make a schedule for the week, talk about um, some of the things that they're going to be doing. Um, The Children can express maybe something that they would like to do that week and more or less discussing it with the parent as far as an activity or going somewhere. Uh, Sometimes they talk about planning a family dinner or a family outing, whether it's going for a bike ride or going to the park or something like that. Family meetings can be very, very helpful. Um, And also um, talking about different chores uh, that the family members might have where they can talk about their chores and agree on who is going to do what, and when it's going to be done. Um, We also try to have it end, obviously, on a positive note by sharing a small meal or a snack together.
0: Okay. And you had also talked about the importance of how the Strengthening Families program teaches peer refusal skills Mm -hmm. and being able to say no if they're being asked to do something that they're not comfortable with. So could you reiterate a little bit
1: about how those topics come up during the the program? Right. So what happens is when these, um, nine steps, there are nine steps that Iowa state has, uh, featured in the program and the first uh, five are taught in one session to the youth. And then the last four are taught in the following session. So the, um, Peer resistance skills are role modeled and acted out by the two facilitators, by the two youth facilitators. This, of course, is done during the youth session, and um, some of the one of an example might be is, um, okay, Ashley, listen, uh, I let's go to Target today after school, and what I want you to do is, I want you to go over and talk to that person over there that's stocking the shelves because since it's the first day of school coming up, I would like to buy some new nail polish, but I don't have any money. So I would like to just take some, just take one bottle and slide it into my book bag. So I would like for you to keep them occupied while I do this. Um, So what happens is the two facilitators would role model this. And one of the things that they might say is that, you know, you can't, you're not, um, you know, why, what are we doing? Why are we going to target? Well, we're going to shoplift some ice with some nail polish. Well, we could be arrested. They could call our parents and that would be telling what could happen. Or they would say, um, we would, we, uh, how about rather than doing that, how about let's, I will lend you the money. or just suggesting another route. Let's just not do anything like that, because that is not a good choice. I don't feel comfortable doing that. If you want to have that nail polish, you need to buy it yourself. And say, okay, let's, instead of doing that, I'm going to take you and we're going to go get some ice cream. So those are the nine peer-resistant um, uh, peer skills, and they are modeled and, rolled, as I said, by the two facilitators. And then we have the, the students um, a role model them. They are never the instigator. We always have the facilitator as the instigator. Um, and just an, an opportunity for them to be able to go through and um, try to use, utilize their nine steps. The best part is, is the proud moment comes when the facilitator and the students can share with the parents uh, their peer-resistant skills during our family session.
0: Right. I, it's so important that our young children or even adolescents are able to practice these peer resistance skills in a comfortable setting. And so I really love that this program allows for that to happen. And, and then loops in the parent and they, they can celebrate um, how what they've learned.
1: Right. Um. One of the things with uh, during the family meeting that I should also uh, point out is that uh, it gives the, the, the families a chance to talk about some of the behaviors that might have gone on that week and for them to be able to um, think about what the consequences were and what a better choice might have been. Um, as a parent, you know, we always try to um, give advice. But um, sometimes we have to really, really remember, especially during a family meeting, when you're giving advice, a young adult might feel as though that you are criticizing them. So during this family meeting, it's a good time for you to be able to listen, 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 listen attentively to your child, and then ask them if they are interested in your observation or your concern or your suggestion. That way they don't feel as though they're being criticized.
0: It sounds like you would also be empowering the young
1: person then. Right, and one of the biggest things um, is that, you know, we, in the seven weeks of the program, it's very, very gratifying to see not just the youth, but also the adult caregiver grow, uh, where you see them during our family dinners beginning to talk to each other beginning to laugh with each other Um, during our family sessions we do a lot of uh, projects fun projects together as a family we make a treasure map we make a family tree uh, we play a lot of games Um, one of the biggest things is that you know we want to uh, stress that this is not like a homework club or something like that that they're there to be have fun uh, and to be able to relax and to enjoy themselves.
0: How do you think that the Strengthening Families program ultimately really helps to deter young adults from using and abusing substances?
1: Well, I, th- I think one of the, the biggest things, like I said, is the peer resisted skills. I think that those are key um, because unfortunately um, our um, youth have the opportunity to get into um, some situations or experiences that um, are not positive. And um, a, a middle-aged student at that time, or any, even just a, a second grader, a third grader, fourth grader, a, a senior in high school—it um, happens so quickly sometimes that they, if they don't have that background knowledge, they will not be able to react correctly. Right so
0: the strengthening families program is for youth ages 10 to 14 and their caregivers it is offered through Valley Youth House and it is paid for by either the Lehigh County or Northampton County departments of drug and alcohol typically we offer the program in conjunction with the schools So if that is something that you as a listener are interested in, you can always connect with your school about whether or not they offer the program. Marty, you, as we mentioned earlier, also have your own children Mm -hmm. who are now grown and grandchildren. What advice could you offer to a parent, a caregiver, who may be concerned that their child is either thinking about using drugs or alcohol, or is currently using drugs and alcohol, or is um, already kind of seeing some signs of addiction.
1: Right. Um, one of the things, obviously, I certainly would encourage you to join a SFP program. But a um, couple of the things is, is that I think that you really need to concentrate on setting some limits um, and showing some love But yet in the same sense, um, make sure that your discipline is appropriate Um, because a lot of times um, it's not appropriate and more importantly, make sure that you follow through on your discipline. Um, One of the things that we have to remember is that um, it's so important, um, and I know with my own children, to encourage positive role models. Uh, We all know as adults that sometimes we did not have the best role model at that time, Um, but we have to make sure that we look for a positive role model. Um, One of the things that you have to remember too is that it's most important um, that we stay strong, okay? Um, I know that there's a lot of anxiety with raising our young adults today. Uh, We have to make sure that you stay strong. You have to work together. Um, There's going to be good times and there's going to be bad times. You need to focus on those good times. um, But don't forget those bad times. Um, Allow those bad times to be a learning tool, not just for yourself, but also for your family.
0: Marty, thank you so much. That was amazing. I really love the advice that you have for for parents and caregivers. And again, if you are interested in learning more about the Strengthening Families program, please head over to our website and you can find out more. today by two really important guests and they are here to talk a little bit more about National Recovery Month and how we can focus on preventing our youth from using and abusing substances. So we are joined today by James and Marie from Treatment Trends. And so James and Marie, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. So Could you go ahead and tell us about some of the work that you do for Treatment Trends?
2: Certified Recovery Specialist essentially just means I've lived experience with drug and alcoholism, substance use disorder, addiction. Um, So when you're in the field and somebody says, oh, you don't understand how I feel, you don't understand, you don't, you know. they really can't, and I've had experiences where people sometimes catch themselves, you don't understand what it's like, you don't understand how I feel, and then they would look at me and be like, oh, crap, yes, you do. And it's you know, it's a little different avenue, and they see recovery as possible also because having lived with it on both sides of addiction, one where I can't stop, I want to stop, I need help, but I can't, and then eventually, to being in a place of living a recovery lifestyle today um, and essentially getting the same effect in reality today that I used to get from a drink or drug through learning from other people that have lived it as well.
0: So as certified recovery specialist having that lived experience is one of the most integral parts of what you do and being able to work effectively, is that correct?
2: Absolutely. Actually, it's part of our job description and requirement is to disclose that with people. For example, if I was a counselor versus a certified recovery specialist, because um, I do know some counselors in the field that have lived experience, now they have to they have to present it as, well, I have a friend that, I have a brother that, I have a loved one, I know someone, and they're trying to speak at third party versus as a CRS, I have. I did that. I know what it's like. And it's possible for you too.
0: And I think for myself, having that counseling background, I understand one of the things we are told not to say to people is, I understand what it is that you're going through unless you've truly been there in that exact same experience in that same moment. So I think it's really important that you that you mention that. So who are the types of individuals that you are working with on a daily basis?
2: We are actually out of, Treatment Trends has many different aspects to Treatment Trends. They have a inpatient facility rehab, they have an outpatient rehab, um, a halfway house, which is transitioning from an inpatient back into life or reality, for lack of better words. Um, and Treatment Trends also has four recovery centers throughout the Lehigh Valley, one in Northampton, Palmer Recovery Center down in Easton, near Easton Area High School, uh, Change Main, which is in Northampton, uh, Hope Center, which is on Broad Street in Bethlehem, right up the street from Wawa in uh, Bethlehem on Broad Street. And we are out of the Allentown Recovery Center, 315 Linden Street in the back of the Tribeca Building. Is where we work out of so the people as far as it being a recovery center at any one of the locations if somebody's struggling if somebody just wants more information whether it's for them or a loved one hey I don't know what to do my son's actively using I don't know what to do or I can't stop and I need help um, they can come to any one of those four recovery centers and seek guidance or direction or if it's somebody with not actively drinking or drugging or using and it's just like I don't know what to do, I don't want to pick up again, I don't want to drink or drug, I need more information, I need help, I need, or I need a safe place to go. Can I just hang out here today because I've, my environment is not safe, whether it be a home, whether it be on the street, wherever it may be. Any one of those four recovery centers, you can drop in uh, from nine to four and seek guidance. They are open from nine to four. Um, and then also treatmenttrends.org is a website with all different pathways, whether it's inpatient, outpatient, the halfway house, to seek more information or direction.
0: Thank you so much. That's, that's really important that you mentioned that. I think that it really is incredible to hear about some of the work that you're doing and also the resources that are available in the Lehigh Valley. So what are some of the trends related to drugs and alcohol that you are seeing in our area when it comes to the people that you serve and young people in particular?
2: As far as the youth, um, I see how, like, you know, marijuana or alcohol, I, I know they always call it a gateway, but I, I do see how that can be a pathway to harder things down the road.
0: And so as a parent yourself, do you have any advice for parents who have young people in their homes or young people that they work with? To try to prevent them from going down the path of using and abusing substances.
2: I mean, from a parent who's actively drinking or drugging, become more educated, become more knowledgeable. If you need help, get more help. I mean, there's plenty of plenty of resources out there. Whether it is going into rehab, whether it's going to AA, whether it's going to NA, there's plenty of 12-step fellowships out there. Plenty of things um, that are anonymous. Uh, um, it's really Over time, I believe the stigma is coming down. Uh, Part of that also is the stigma, it's still there, but it's not like it used to be. That's my perception anyway.
0: And what about an adult who is not struggling with substance use, but whose child, maybe, where they, they fear them going down that path? I believe education, talking, having open conversations with your children, the drugs are what they can do
2: and there's plenty because it is a family disease there's plenty of support out there for the entire family marie is a cfrs which is family support also i only have the crs she has the family side the cfrs in addition to her crs
0: when it comes to parenting there can be two schools of thought one is placing fear in kids The other would be more about having honest conversations or things like that, of that nature. Do you have any suggestions as far as that type of an approach? I never used alcohol or drugs in front of my children at all. They've never witnessed it. They've never seen it. And we have educated our kids from day one on what they can do, you know if they have start using if they don't want to come to us we <clears throat> at least let them know where to go where do you go for help we also you know talk to them what drugs and alcohol can do to them you know, with help wise so education is really most it's really important and that education really has to start at a young age Because what I hear both of you saying is that it comes back to kids being able to have healthy coping skills to handle situations that are thrown at them. And it's in those moments that they turn to those substances when they can't deal appropriately. So I think the education also has to be related to the healthy coping skills that you can use. Is that something that you emphasize in your work?
2: New ways to face life. Life happens. Reality happens to everybody. There's not a single person that doesn't have to do life. It's just as a child or as a youth or even as a teenager or even late teens, early twenties. It's like, all right, I have this situation. I turn to drugs or alcohol. Ah, oh, I get relief. I have this situation. I turn to drugs or alcohol. Oh, I get relief. But what eventually happens? It could be in late twenties, early thirties. I start to, all right, this happens. I turn to drugs. Or I don't get relief, and I need more. And now it starts to cause problems in my life. And I, I did have symptoms if I was aware of it or educated it, late teens, early 20s, where I could see it's happening to others, it's starting to happen to me. Cause there are people that catch it early enough and they see like, well, I'm headed down a bad path. I can see I'm headed down a bad road. Um, so now I gotta start to face life, face reality, cause I can't run from it anymore. And now I learned that from others in recovery, like life happens. This is part of growing up. This is part of getting you know, but I avoided life and reality for so many years, it's new to me in my 20s, 30s, heck, 40s, 50s. So I learned from other people in recovery how to start to face life and realize life happens to everybody. There's, again, there's not a person on this earth that reality doesn't hit them. Um, and eventually I learned how to do it with other others. I get through the hard times. I get through the good times. I get through the bad times.
0: James and Marie, thank you so much for joining us today. And you should be really proud of yourselves for the work that you've done to come to this place and to be in the recovery that you are, and this is a really great time of year to celebrate all all of that hard work. So congratulations to you, and thank you again for sharing your expertise with us. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Prevention Platform. Be sure to check out Valley Youth House on our website at www.valleyyouthhouse.org. And we hope to see you next time.